Hi, SEC family. We're the Richardsons. I'm Kim. And I'm Rusty. We're also known as Brady and Weston's parents. We've been attending and serving and worshiping here at SEC for over 18 years. Our boys aren't with us today, but they've been with us throughout the 18 years as well. Today we have the privilege of reading James 4, 13 through 17 for you. Look here, ye, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there for a year. We will do business there and make it a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. That's James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Have a happy Sunday. Bye. Great job, Kim and Rusty. And they're here in the audience if you want to get an autograph or whatever uh, at the end. Rusty, I, I told him in the first service, Rusty teaches our middle school, so... He's calm, cool, and collected. When all of your middle schoolers, I mean, your, your kids ask the weirdest questions, don't they, Rusty? And Rusty's like, they just go on and on, ask this weirdo question, and he's like, we'll just have to ask Pastor Rich about that. <laughs> That's the number one answer over in Kids Zone. My number one answer is always, I don't know, right? So if you've got your program, um, I want to take you on a little memory trip, to stroll down memory lane. I want you to rewind, it seems like a long time ago, rewind your mind just 10 months ago. 10 months ago when we were celebrating New Year's Eve. You remember that? No? Seems like that far away? Yeah. 2019 was going out with a bang, and we were going to ring in the new decade. We were going to ring in the year 2020. We had... Our college group, there was over 30 of our college students that went up to Atlanta to the Passion Conference with 60,000 young Christian leaders in that uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They had fireworks and they rung in the new year. It was just so much potential. People and businesses were making all their plans for the new year, plans for the new for the new decade, churches started talking about pastors. They all had this series. We were in 40 Days of Purpose, but most pastors had their series on Vision 2020 or the 2020 Vision, you know, kind of like hindsight is 2020. And you're, yeah. Since then, I've often wondered if God wasn't looking down, just kind of shaking his head, going, You guys have no idea what 2020 is going to hold for you. You know, was God just kind of chuckling, going, hey, angels, watch this. You hear what they're saying? They're, they're, these are their plans. They have no idea that within two months, within just a few weeks, everything on the planet was going to be turned upside down. Travel came to a sudden halt. Couldn't go anywhere. Schools and churches and businesses, sporting events were canceled. Listen. I knew it was serious. When they closed Disney and they canceled March Madness, I was like, whoa, this is going to be something. This is like this is like new territory. We're boldly going where no man has gone before kind of a thing. If you were like me, your plans were trashed for the year. 
We had two cruises bought and paid for. They're still <laughs> paid for. <laughs> and like, I don't even want to think about a cruise right now, right? All of our vacation plans were ruined and tossed into the dumpster. If one thing, I've been telling you this since the beginning, but if one thing this pandemic has proven loud and clear, it's reminded us of this, no one, and I mean no one, no one knows the future. Nobody knows the future. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, much less next week or next month, or even 10 days from now with the election. You know, they're all, they're all predicting the winner of the election. Back. Nobody knows the future. Just seven months ago, we could have never imagined that our lives would be the way they are today with this pandemic. And that's a fact. To be a human being is to live your entire life not knowing the future. It's always been this way. This isn't something new. The future is unknown, it's uncertain, and it's unpredictable. The future has always been unknown, uncertain, and unpredictable. And God has warned us about this many, many, many times in his word. Have I mentioned lately we should read our Bibles? If you've read your Bible, you would have heard this over and over and over again, starting some 3,000 years ago in the book of Ecclesiastes. I'll read you this verse by the wisest person who's ever lived, Solomon. King Solomon wrote this. He said, none of us knows what's going to happen, and there's no one to tell us. The only one who knows the future is God. I've been telling you that since this pandemic started. Actually, I've been telling you that for years. I've told my kids since they were barely able to walk, God's the only one who knows the future. Don't believe what anybody says. God's the only one who knows the future. You see, God is not on the timeline. He's outside of time. He's above and outside of the timeline. So he can see the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. So God tells us, and I would encourage you, don't spend any money trying to figure out the future. Don't go up to Casadega and hire some fortune teller. That's fake. Okay? Don't spend money on some book about horoscopes. Fake. Don't, I guess now you can't dial, you, can, you used to be able to call up the Psychic Friends hotline and talk to Dionne Warwick and all her buddies. And, and they charge you like a dollar a minute to tell you stuff you know is fake and phony and false. And people would spend all kinds of money doing that. Now you can do it online. Don't, don't get online and, and waste your money. In fact, anybody who tells you they know the future, you're a whole lot better to just get a fortune cookie. At least you get some Moogoo Guy Pan to go with that. Okay? Because, you, I mean, it, you think about how fake is a fortune in the fortune cookie. You open it up and it says, go buy this, go do that. You don't do that, do you? You know, if your spouse opens up the fortune cookie and says, hey, we got to move, you just say, you're crazy. Of course, the fortunes in the fortune cookie and the fortunes that they tell you and the people who predict the future, God has said many, many times, nobody knows the future. Nobody knows except me, except God. And he 
He doesn't give that to anybody. Not knowing the future in our lives creates a lot of anxiety. It creates stress in our lives. Recently, they've done several big surveys nationally to uh, find out how people are feeling about the future during this pandemic. Now, I think it's kind of funny because I love how they get, they get together and say, hey, you know what we ought to ask? We ought to do this big research study to ask people how they're doing with the pandemic. No, do you really need to ask, right? But then, no, 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 we're going to document this. We're going to write it down. We're going to count up everybody. And we're going to add, and these are some of the statistics from this national survey. Over the last few months, they're telling us that almost 50% of people surveyed think that life for future generations for my my grandkids, Roman and Mila, Kristen talked about, 50% of people think that it's going to be worse than life today. Maybe you're in that group. To me, that means the other 50%, seems how we're polarized on everything, think that it's going to be at least as good as today or better than today. They found that two-thirds of those surveyed in this national survey said they're fearful about the future, 66%. And 71%, I thought this was interesting, were angry about the future. I'm like, whoa, that's a nerve. 71% say they're angry about the future. Now, this is what was the most interesting thing to me. Of the 66% who are anxious about the future and fearful about the future, and the 71% who are angry about the future, they asked them, okay, why are you angry or why are you anxious and fearful And the number one answer was not the pandemic. The number one answer for people who think the future is going to be worse, I'm afraid for the future, or I'm angry about the future, is 71%. The number one answer was not the pandemic. It was the state of politics in our country. I'm like, yeah, now I'm tracking. Now I have to tell you, I've been pastoring almost 30 years. I added it all up. I've pastored through, at this point, five presidents. When we were starting this church, George Herbert Walker Bush was still the president. Um, he was about to lose when the economy, stupid, was the slogan that year. I've been through seven or eight elections as your pastor. And I've learned a lot over the years. First of all, I don't know if you realize this, but our church, just like our country, is about 50-50. 50-50 in how they vote in national elections. Sometimes it leans 60-40 or 40-60, but it never gets out of those boundaries. And it may be a huge surprise to you because what I've discovered is 80% of our church think that everybody votes the way they vote. You probably think that. You're like, well, yeah, all my friends, everybody I know, you know. Well, maybe Facebook has changed that for some of us. We've culled our friends, I think, to get back to that. So here's what I've discovered. Every four years, half of my church family is depressed. They're, they just can't believe. You'll hear, you'll hear people say it in two weeks. You'll hear people, I just can't believe anybody would vote that way. I just can't believe anybody, what they really mean, I can't believe anybody would think any way different than me. Folks, most people don't think exactly the way Jerry Walsh thinks. Um, so here's what I want to say, because I know I've been kind of busting your chops a little bit. Look, um, this, 
Years ago, I've got to be very careful how I say it because I don't want you to figure it out. Years ago, we had a family leave our church over the election. It was crazy. I said, what's up? Why are you? They, they, their candidate lost, and they were out in line for donuts. Nothing I said or anybody from the platforms ever said. We've always been you know, non-political up here. Uh, although I'm a political science major. I mean, I, I, I spent a lot of time. Thinking about, I've, I've wasted a lot of time <laughs> thinking about this kind of stuff. So there, she's in line with uh, somebody behind her, in front of her, and they're gloating and talking about, you know, yeah, now the country's going to finally blah, blah, blah. And um, they said, you know, they said, I just don't want my kids to be raised in a church where that kind of thinking happens. And you have no idea which side of the aisle, because it's happened mo- multiple times. So I just want to say this, because I've been, Rich and I both have been saying, you know, we've got to put Jesus first, not politics first. We've got to, our help, our answer is never going to come from Washington. It's never going to come from politicians. Have you figured out the politicians don't know what's going on? They don't know the future either. Who knew? Somebody tell them. I just want to say, I just want to say thank you. I'm so proud of how you guys have handled yourselves. I don't know if it's because you just had no idea people think differently. But here's what's going to happen in two weeks. Half of our church is going to be down and depressed. have no idea which half, because God's the only one who knows the future. But I can just tell you this. Half of our church, you're going to need a hug. And I'm so sorry, we can't hug you this year. Okay? So as your pastor, I just want to tell you, I love you. I want to give you a big hug. I'll be ready to give you a big hug. You know, air hug in a couple of weeks when your side loses. And some of you, you're going to be in euphoria. You're going to be fist pump, you know, finally or once and for all or whatever your slogan going to be. And um, I just want to tell you, if your side loses and you feel like the world is coming to an end and I just don't know what we're going to do, just chill out, relax. God is still on the throne. Jesus is still our Savior. It's, if, if you're so, it's not the end of the world, Okay. And by the way, if you're thinking, oh, finally, everything's going to be just the way, relax, enjoy your moment. But probably four years from now, eight years from now, 12 years from now, I'm telling you, I've been doing this 30 years. The pendulum just keeps swinging back and forth, back and forth. And I'm so glad I didn't spend my my career in Washington. Me personally, if I hadn't gone to ministry, I probably would have gone, you know, to work in maybe the Reagan or the Bush White House and... I would have been a waste of life. Not saying that everybody wasted their life in Washington just would have been a waste. Because we're still arguing about stuff today that we argued about back when I was in high school. We're probably going to be arguing about the same stuff when Josh was in high school. We're probably going to be arguing about this when Meland's in high school. So don't worry. You get one vote. Go vote. Some of you already voted. And then just turn it all off and wait till the end. They'll tell you finally who wins by March or April. Who knows when they're going to finally figure it out, right? This is not going to define our lives. God has much bigger plans. So thank you so much for how you've treated each other. And come on, we've got ten more days. Let's not blow it at the end, okay? Uh, all right, so I bring all that up because, look, James is talking about what do you do when your future is so uncertain? We're at a crossroads politically. We're at a crossroads sociologically uh, in our country. 
And is this like going to be the, the beginning to nirvana or the end towards, you know, hell in a handbasket? Probably not. Our future will remain uncertain for as long as we're on this planet. It's never going to be certain. So what are we as believers going to do? How do we become, like Kristen was saying, Mila, how do we become, raise our kids to be like Daniel so they'll be unshakable no matter what the world throws at them? Because I don't know if you realize this, but although I'm proud to be an American citizen, but this is just my temporary home. My, my citizenship is in a different place. And that is secure. That future won't change. So as James tells us in these few verses, how do we face this uncertain future? Let me read the scripture again with just a little bit of emphasis. Because I told you, I warned you, I warned you, James is a little bit in your face. He can kind of like smack you hard with the truth. Look what he says. He says, look here, you who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and we're going to stay there a year. We're going to do business and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? He's right in our face. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we'll live or do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans. And all such boasting is evil. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And James, in this just these few verses, these five verses, he tells us the three big mistakes we make in planning for our future and presuming about our future and procrastinating about our future. I want you to write some things down if you've got your pen I'm going to ask you to write a word down in a little bit. You're going to at least want to get your pen out for that. Three mistakes that we make about the future. And what is the key solution in each of these areas to face an uncertain future? The number one reason we take our future for granted, or the number one way, is we make plans without asking God. Will you write that down? We all do this. We make plans without asking God. He illustrates this with the conversation between two businessmen. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow, quote, today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year, we'll do business there and we'll make a profit. Now, at first glance, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with this plan. I mean, people make business plans all the time, every day. It sounds like this guy is thinking ahead. He's an entrepreneur like some of you are. He, he's a go-getter. I mean, at least he's got a plan. Most of the world just drifts through life with no plan. He has a plan for his future. And it's a thoughtful business plan. There's, he gives six details in his plan. He answers six questions. He answers the, the when question. When are we going? Today or tomorrow. Then he answers the where question. Where are we going? A specific city or town. He, he lists out. And then how long, how long are we going to be there? He's got the year down. We're going to stay a year. Then he answers the what. What are we going to do? We're going to open up a business. We're going to do some commerce. We're going to have, have an enterprise. Then he answers the question of why. Why? Because we want to make a profit. And he even talks about who because he has a business party. He talks about saying we, we're going to go. 
all of these factors are actually talked about in the, in the book of Proverbs. He says you need to have a strategy. This guy knows his purpose. He knows his plan. He knows his place. He knows who his partner is. He knows his projected timetable. He knows what it's all about, profitability. He's got all the bases covered that the Bible talks about. And by the way, God says that making a profit, an honest profit, is a smart thing to do. So what's wrong with his plan? This guy just says this. In the, what, what's, there's nothing wrong. He didn't do anything wrong in his plan. It's what he didn't do. It's what he left out. That's the problem. You notice that in this big master plan that he has for, for the future, there's not one single mention of God. God's not in it. It's all about self-reliance. It's all about me, myself, and I. He says four times, we'll do this, and we'll do that, and we'll do this, and we'll do that. We will, we will, we will, we will. Nothing about God's will. Just His will. You know, I know a lot of Christian businessmen, a lot of Christian businesswomen, who genuinely love the Lord, but when it comes time to planning their business or planning their marriage or their education or their careers, they leave God completely out of it. I know families that they plan where their kids are going to go to college. Don't even pray about that. In essence, they just live like atheists at work or in social or educational settings. They plan like God doesn't even exist. And they say, well, we'll do this and we'll do that. We're going to go here and we're going to go there. And it's, it's sad because they miss out on God's blessing doing it that way. I want you to write this down. To have God's blessing, we all want His blessing. To have God's blessing, I must involve God in my planning. If I'm going to have God's blessing, I've got to involve Him in, in my planning. If, if, God, if I want to have God's blessing in my life, He's got to be involved in the planning of my life. That's the first principle of dealing with an uncertain future, which we will always have an uncertain future. You may feel like, well, it's so uncertain today. It's always been that way. It's, the pandemic has just clarified some eternal truths. This is the first principle. Have God's blessing, got to have him involved. So how do I do that? All right, here's the first key to write down. This is the how to do what James says, how to apply it. I have to pray as I plan my life. Pray as I plan my business. Pray as I plan my project. Pray as I plan my career path, as I plan my college education. I pray. Proverbs is full of planning principles, and one of the greatest one of the ones you should already have memorized. If you haven't memorized Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of the first verses I ever memorized, and I would encourage you to memorize it, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. I memorized it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Notice that it says we've got to do three things. And if we do these three things, God says, I'll give you direction. Trust the Lord. 
Humble yourself. Don't depend on your own understanding. And then in all your ways, acknowledge him. And we say, Lord, I want your plan for my life. Not my plan. Now, God won't force his plan on you. If you want to run your life by your plan, you can just create your own real sad country song. That's what our plan usually leads us to. It's a broken road, you know. It's a broken record of a broken road over and over again. Most of us would agree, man, when I take control of the wheel, when Jesus doesn't have all kinds of country song references, when my life gets way off track. So God says, Jerry, why don't you, why don't you ask me about the plans, and I will direct your path if you do these things. So we need to pray about our planning. Well, what do we pray? One of the things we can do, one of the things we should all do, is ask God for wisdom. I've been telling you this all the way back 16 weeks ago. We've been in James forever, haven't we? Uh, 16 weeks ago, in week one, I told you about this promise for wisdom. By the way, how many of you just don't need any more wisdom? You've, you've got so much wisdom, you just you know, everybody's wise enough not to raise their hand for that. Right? I mean, even if you kind of feel like, hmm, i got a lot of wisdom. Well, you're smart enough not to raise your hand. Because we all need more wisdom. And we talked about this 16 weeks ago. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So, how many times have you asked for wisdom in the last 16 weeks? At least 16? At least once a week? I hope. I know in these unique days that we're going through right now, Everything seems so uncertain, and everything seems to be changing every time they turn around, right? The experts say, well, you've got to do this. No, 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 now don't do that. Do this over there. Oh, no, 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 do that. Do this. It's so confusing because the experts don't know the future either. And the politicians, they say, well, you've got to, and then you've got to, now you've got to, now you can't. They don't know the future. So a lot of people feel kind of in limbo. They feel like, well, I just don't know what's going to happen. And, and we, you're, you're, it's paralysis. It's called analysis paralysis. And people have looked and looked and looked, and they've watched so much of this news and that news and this news and that news that at this point you're so fatigued, you're so tired, you're so like just, you know, Calgon, take me away. It's like you, you've been doing this for so long that you can kind of feel stuck. But this is a temporary situation. And you feel like you're just treading water. You feel like, you know, I'm just trying to stay afloat here. And you don't have any long-range plans. You don't have any, any goals. You, you're just trying to get through it right now. So I want to give you some homework. I don't usually do this, but I want you to spend 30 minutes, set aside 30 minutes this week, because I don't want you to waste the next couple of months. You know, there's 10 weeks left. 10 weeks left in this year. So don't waste it. Don't like just go, well, I'm just holding on to the end of the year because everything's going to be fine at the end of the year. Oh, yeah, how do you know? Well, I just got to make it to the election. 10 more days. Everything's going to be fine. Some people are saying that. How do you know? You might as well just open up a fortune cookie. Okay? So on the assumption that things might stay the same and they might not get all of a sudden all better, what are we going to do? All we do is hold on until Jesus comes or... My homework assignment for you is to spend 30 minutes planning, praying and planning to make a prayerful plan for the rest of the year. For the, for the last 10 weeks of 2020, 
I want you to come up with a prayerful plan. And here's what I'm not going to give you. I'm not going to give you the area of life to apply this to. You pick any area you want. But it doesn't matter to me whether you plant, use it for planning your family. What is our family plan the next day? Or my, my job? Or maybe it's for your own personal spiritual development. Um, it doesn't matter to me. Maybe you plan for a ministry. Maybe you, it's your finances. You need to make a financial plan. Any area of your life, you pick the area of your life. It could be your vacations. It's like you got, you're like me, you got two cruises, kind of, I haven't been, I haven't been planning anything, right? Because it's like I get all these cruise emails. I just, I just delete, delete, delete. I, I'm not planning a cruise until I see a thousand ships come, go out and come back safe. I mean, maybe if you're on the first cruise, it could be clean, but who's going to do that, right? I'm not, I'm not going to be the first one over the edge, right? So it's like, no, I got to wait for there's a thousand of you to come, a thousand cruises to come back before, but I got two cruises I got to use up next year. I'll use it or lose it, right? I feel like I already lost it. So that could be fun. Maybe you make a family vacation plan and prayerfully sit down for 30 minutes. Dream a little bit with, with God. And that's the goal. And here's what I want you to say. Well, how do I do that, Jerry? What do I say? Here's what you say. You say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this area of my life over the rest of the year? What do you want me to do in my marriage? What do you want me to do with my kids? What do you want me to do at work? What do you want me to do around the house over the next 10 weeks? What is your will for my life? Take some time and work through that process of pray and spend some time and write some things down over the next 10 weeks. Psalm 119.32, in the message paraphrase, it says, David says, I'll run the course you lay out for me if you'll just show me how. He says, God, if you'll show me the course, I'll run it. I'll run the race if you'll just show me what to do. I've prayed that prayer so many times in my life. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You just show me what you want me to do and I'll do it. I've even said things like, I wish God would just write me a little note and send it to me. He says, I wrote you a big note already. You know, read it, right? And it's like, you're right, Lord. Look, oh, there's my note. And God has shown me because someone kept telling me we should read our Bible. So you should open that up. Here's the thing. If you're just kind of treading water, if you're just kind of drifting through life, if you're just kind of coasting, you're, you're always going downhill when you're coasting. Don't waste these last, don't waste these last 10 weeks of the year just hoping everything's going to finally get back to normal. Um, there's a lot of things we can't control. We can control God's plans for our future. We can get involved in God's plan, control being in God's plan for our future. All right, the second mistake we make, first, we don't plan, prayerfully plan. The second thing we do, we presume that we'll have tomorrow. James talks about our presumptions. He says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow. He says, you're making all these plans. You're going to go to this city. You're going to start this business. You're going to build this. And he says, your life is like the morning fog. Here for a little while, and then it's gone. He says, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and go do this or that, if it's the Lord's will. Otherwise, you're just boasting about your own pretentious plans. And all such boasting is evil. Don't you notice there's two reasons we shouldn't assume that we have a lot of time. Two reasons that we shouldn't just keep treading water, drifting through life. 
we, that we should be making the most of our time right now. First, he says the future is uncertain. He starts off with, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Much less next week, much less after the election, much less next year. None of us can predict what our life will be like 365 days from now. What is today? Today is the 25th. What's your life going to be like October 25th, 2021? Nobody can know. I mean, do you remember what you did the day before 9-11? Everybody remembers 9-11. Do you remember what you did the day before 9-11? Nobody, nobody had any idea how our life would change in those 24 hours. Nancy and I, we bought a house on the 10th of September, 2001. Isn't that crazy? We signed a contract to build a house over here in Oregon Trace with Taylor Morrison. Uh-oh. 9-11 hit. Luckily, they tore up the contract let us out of the deal. Whew. Do you remember what you were doing the week before Katrina hit? Those of you who went to Katrina, you saw all the devastation that was there. You saw that in a matter of a few hours, literally, their house is filled up with water like a washing machine and they lost everything. I want you to write down a word. Take out your pen, click it, just pretend you don't have to write down, just let me think the best about you. I want you to write the word in all caps, LIFE, L-I-F-E. Anywhere on your worship guide, just write the word LIFE, L-I-F-E, all caps. Write it down, LIFE. Now, I want you to circle the middle two letters, the I and the F. Circle them. Have you ever realized there is a big if in the middle of life? There's a big if in the middle of L-I-F-E. Nothing is certain. The only thing that's certain is the truth of God's word the consistency of God's love for you, the dependability of God's goodness, and the reality or the faithfulness of God's promises. That's what we sang about this morning. Great is your faithfulness. Nothing else is dependable because of the big if in life. And James says life is unpredictable. So he says you need to not be presumptuous about the future. There's a second reason we shouldn't be presumptuous and we shouldn't assume that we've got a lot of time left on earth is because earth, life on earth is temporary. And it's not that long. He says your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. The word that he uses there is the Greek word atmos that we get the word atmosphere from. He says it's like breathing on a mirror. You know, you breathe on a mirror, you fog up the mirror. How long does your breath last? <sighs> Depends on how bad your breath is, right? <laughs> a couple of seconds, just moments, and it's gone. Or, you know, in Central Florida, it's foggy in the morning. I mean, you can't even see the car in front of you as you go barreling down the interstate. But you know that that's not going to last by 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. The sun's going to come up and burn all that away. He's saying, your life is as long as the fog. That our life in light of eternity isn't very long. I heard someone say one time that the journey from Hot Wheels to the wheelchair is pretty quick. 
So in light of eternity, 60, 70, 80, maybe even 100 years, not very long. The average human being, they say, lives 27,375 days. That's 75 years. We had several people over that age in the first service. We had a whole row of over 70-year-olds. 27,375 days is the average human lifespan. But you know what? None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed you're going to get those 27,375 days. Each of us, we are a heartbeat away from eternity. So whatever you're going to do with your life, you need to get on with it. Whatever we're going to do, we've got to get busy doing it. Because life is not long. It's a vapor, it says. Remember, the first key is to pray while you're planning. And the second key to facing an uncertain future, live one day at a time and make it count. Live one day at a time and make it count. That's the next thing that James says. Fortunately, the good news is that the future doesn't hit us all, all at once. God, like spoon feeds us the future 24 hours at a time. It's all we can handle. Imagine if you knew everything you were going to face in life. Imagine if all of 2019 you knew what 2020 was going to be like. That would have ruined 2019. So there were people. I knew people at the end of 2019. I knew some of you were like, this has been the worst year ever. I just can't wait to bury 2019. 2020 has got to be good. How could it get any worse? And it's like 2020 said, here, hold my adult beverage. I don't really know what that means. I just picked that off of your, some of your Facebook memes. But apparently it's funny. Here, hold this, right? Matthew six thirty four. Jesus says, this is your Savior. This is 2,000 years ago. Nothing has changed. Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. He says it to us today. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. That's Jesus. He's saying, stop borrowing trouble from the future. If we've got something to worry about, and it's not even going to happen until next month or next week or whatever, he says, why are you letting next week, next month's worries mess up today? Worry can't change the past. Worry can't control the future. All worry can do is ruin the present. It robs us of the joy that's available to us today. And it doesn't change anything. So Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. You see, God gives us enough grace to get through today. Whatever you're worried about. If you'll do like Kristen and cast your worries to God, he'll give you enough grace to get through today. But he won't give you grace for tomorrow, next week, next month. God's not like, oh, here here you go, Jerry. I'm going to give you a month's worth of grace. God doesn't do it that way. He says, no, I'm giving you the grace for today. Tomorrow I'll give you the grace for tomorrow. Next week I'll give you the grace for that day. Next month. That's why you didn't have any stored up grace for 2020 because God doesn't do it that way. You've got to trust him every day. Anybody can do this. 
when we don't know what our future holds, and none of us do, we can still take life one day at a time. There's a cute little poem that says, Life by the yard is hard, or by the inch it's a cinch. So I want to highly recommend taking life one day at a time. Pray, plan, plan, pray. Set some goals. Don't just tread water, but ask God, how do I want my life to be different by the end of the year? How do you want me to be different by the end of the year? And don't worry about tomorrow. Good grief, don't worry about the election. Don't worry about this New Year's or next year. Focus on today. Look at Proverbs 27, 1 in the message. says, don't brashly bag, brag about what you're going to do tomorrow because you don't know the first thing about tomorrow. That's about as clear as you can get. We don't know the first thing about tomorrow. We're all guessing. Now, we can plan for tomorrow, but we can only live today. Let's not spend so much time planning or worrying that we forget to live today. So in these little verses, these five little verses, we get messed up when we don't plan. We don't pray about our planning. We mess up when we get presuming about future. Here's the third mistake we make. We put off doing what's right and good. In other words, we know the good thing to do, but we postpone it. We delay it. It's a sign of procrastination. James ends this section, just one verse, talking about the sin of procrastination. Procrastination in our lives when we're delaying the good thing we should do, the next right thing we should do. We end up wasting our life. We end up wasting a golden opportunity. He's talked about presuming. He's talking about planning without praying. Now he's talking about procrastination. He says, remember, this is verse 17, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. I think we all fall for this one. Procrastination is my sin. It only brings me sorrow. I know I ought to change my ways. In fact, I will tomorrow. And that how we look at life? We know we should start this, do that, change this about ourselves, about our habits. We know we're gonna one day tomorrow. So, here's the key. You want the key? Do the next right thing. Do the next good thing. You already know what it is. God's about to remind you, because I'm going to ask you three questions. These questions are the questions I've given them to you right there on your outline to take home for, for homework, along with your 30 minutes of planning and praying with God. What's the next thing in your spiritual growth or obedience that you need to do right now? What's the next step you need to take, and you haven't done it yet? What's the next step in your spiritual growth? Or your obedience that you need to take. Let me give it to you another way. In question number two. What do you know that God wants you to do. But you're still putting it off. You've postponed it over and over and over. Maybe God's been telling you. You need to reconcile with that person. You need to forgive that person. Maybe it's. 
to give your life to Christ. Some of you, you've been thinking about it for some time, that I need to accept Jesus as my personal Savior. You haven't done it yet. Let me give you another one. What excuse have you been using to not do what you know you need to do? On Men's Monday Night Football and Bible Study, we're going through this book called No Excuses. Dr. Tony Evans has been, he's been hammering us with, take responsibility, stop making excuses. Well, one of these days, one of these days, one of these, one of these days is none of these days. Or I hear people say, well, I'm aiming to, Pastor, I'm, I'm aiming to, I'm aim-. you need to quit aiming and pull the trigger, dude. Don't wait until the pandemic is over. Don't wait until this year is over. Don't wait another week or month. There are some things you need to do today. Pick up the phone and call today. Have that conversation today. Sit down with your spouse today. 1 John 2, 3, and 4 says, And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. John is saying that actions, your actions speak louder than your words. And delayed obedience is disobedience. So whatever you intend to do for God, do it now. Whatever you intend to do for your family, do it now. Whatever you intend to do with your spouse, now, today. Some of you, as I said earlier, you've been considering for some time the need to step across the line of faith and to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and and your Savior. Do it today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. In fact, in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to step across the line of faith. It would be my honor to lead you in a a prayer to do that. To begin a, a friendship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. No, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about having an active personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I started a relationship with Jesus Christ over 40 years ago. We've walked as friends. He is my Savior and my Lord for over 40 years. You can have a relationship with him like that too. In fact, why don't we do that now? Why don't we just pray? Let's bow our heads and in your mind, if you're here in this room or you're in the pavilion or you're watching online and you've been putting off starting this relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, then all you got to do is just make this your prayer. You don't even have to say it out loud. Just in your own mind, say, Dear God, I sure don't understand it all, but I know I want to get to know You. Just say that, honestly. The words don't really matter. It's the attitude of your heart, the humility of your heart. So say, Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to the earth to show your love for me. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay for all my sins so I don't have to pay for them. And to show me the way to heaven. I need a Savior. I need you in my life. I want to begin a relationship, a friendship with you, God, today. So humbly as best that I know how. I'm asking you to accept me and I'm putting my faith in you in receiving my free gift of salvation. I'm doing this today because I don't want to wait any longer. I don't want to procrastinate any longer. 
I don't know how many days I have left, Lord, but I want the rest of my days to be the best of my days. The rest of my life to be the best of my life. So I ask you to come into my life, Jesus, as my friend, as my Savior, as my Lord. Amen.